Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Word Horde. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Grabowski, along with, as always, my dear friend, Kyle Jones, here to take us on a linguistical adventure. Kyle, how are you doing this fine morning? I'm doing great, brother. Just waking up and uh, early and... um kind of an escape from everything else it's uh it's a good place to be yeah, for sure it is beautiful it is beautiful outside i'm looking here with my coffee there's a beautiful uh gray sky and some of you may hate the gray skies you're all a big fan of blue but let me just tell you if you think of the gray skies as god's big blanket fort just covering the world it's a gorgeous thing yeah it's a truly gorgeous thing absolutely so kyle what are we getting into today man yeah, well, we we left off with with so many different um, you know possibilities of, of going left, right, with classicism, uh, neoclassicism of, of the Greeks uh, into the into the Christian community, the Paideia or the Paideia. Um, I feel like that that would might be the the, the place to go. Um, I didn't mention the Paideia just as, as as of yet, but what I did cover what we're, where we were going was the idea of, of the classical Greek mind fused with the, uh, the, the Hebrew classical mind, um, where the two were an, an admixture, yet they never, uh, they never mixed in total and became one. Um, yes, and, I remember that quite clearly. I just don't remember what paideia means. Yeah, so the pa- uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll cover that in a second. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, this this uh, word that we had covered this morning, that the hypostasis, um, is w- would be the, the 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 thinking or the fusion of the educated uh, Christian out of the paideia uh, to see <clears throat> prophetical vision of John uh, in the future as a po- as a poetical means to understand both classical Hebrew and Greek mind. Um, the, the, the paideia or the paide, uh, depending upon how you pronounce that, I, I'm looking at the Greek, uh, and I say it, I look at it as paideia, but uh, some people just say paide, and that's fine with me too. I really don't, don't care at this, this point, this juncture. Um, the Padawan, uh, anybody who's seen Star Wars, uh, huge Star Wars fan, the Padawan it, learner, that's yeah. the Jedi's, uh, mm-hmm. student of the Jedi training. Yeah, and, and who was the great Paideia is Padawan. Yeah, that's it. Actually, it's it's used. What <laughs> the, the very the very word uh, is is used uh, within the the early uh, ch- church fathers, and um, and I don't I say church fathers not in the quote Catholic Roman Catholic sense, but in the 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 early church fathers that um, uh, that that taught the uh, the true classic trivium uh, that Paideia or the Paideia. Uh, they use that term, and that the word Padawan is a Greek term that goes way, way before them. Wow. Uh, Isocrates uh, um, is uh, the, the kind of the founding father of all of that, and that was around 400 some BC. So, uh, Isocrates, again, looking at how you will to pronounce the Doric Ionic and and just hack it in the American language, um, but to, right. yeah, uh, so. Uh, you know, you have three tremendous thinkers: uh, Basil, the you know the great or the great Basil, um, Nazianzus. Then you have Gregory of Nyssa, and these three uh, great thinkers at Cappadocia uh, in Turkey, what we would call Turkey now, uh, Anatolia back then. Uh, they were they were the overthrow um, of great Padawan thinkers <clears throat> uh, in the third and fourth century. Um, uh, A.D. They were not 
necessarily Roman Catholic, though they were there were many oppositions to the to the Church uh, or the councils of not Nicaea or Nicaea, <clears throat> and it was thankful for these guys they fused the classical education um, of the Greeks with uh, Christian thought to uh, mm. once again apply the formula for the Trinity. Uh, and had they not uh, done that, uh, the, the doctrine of, of the Trinity might have been uh, subterfuged or brought back into, if you will, uh, sucked back into uh, um, um, a monotheistic view such as hmm. Sabellianism. And so uh, th they were very aware of what was going on in terms of that, 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 n that natural pr proclivity to bring a tr that, that Trinitarian view back into a monotheistic uh, religion. Um, and so th they, they brought about uh, uh, the concept of, of that God the Father is the essence or the usa, uh, usi. Um, the Holy Spirit is the direct... Uh, emanation from that, uh, that you could almost say it's the rus, the flow from the Father, and that the, the, the Son is in the manner of God the Father. This is where it gets really interesting, but nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Uh, they, they work together, of course, but they're not of the same uh, in themselves. Um, but here's where it gets real interesting. In the Cappadocian Fathers, they took Greek classicism, which is the essence or the, the, the practice of Padua, um, Paideia, and they, they said that Jesus is the icon. Now, I'm going to get back to this. I'm going to explain what, I'm, what, what Paideia means. But they said sure, that sure. Jesus, Jesus is the icon <clears throat> of the Father. Now, in Greek classicism, and I, and by the way, I, you can apply this to Apollyon from the last couple of weeks as the great destroying angel or the devil um, in its form. The Greeks looked at form. The Hebrews looked at dynamism. <clears throat> you talk about a right. pencil. The, the, if, the, if you're talking about a pencil, the, the pencil is that which marks, uh, that which writes. The Greeks said, well, it's three inches long and it's yellow, right? So form but there's more than that so the icon was the coming to be so icon was put into the form sense under time and in time it would have a fullness of what it meant we would understand either intellectually what it meant to a higher fullness or and or and it in itself it would come to be uh, to, to the fullness of its likeness until it meet, met that which is eternal. Now, that's the universal uh, concept in the total teaching of Plato. So Jesus, in that classical sense, given to us by the church fathers, uh, did hold its own in a European doctrine that doesn't necessarily have to be Christian, but because it met those standards of a university it was allowed into European thought, which actually went back into to European humanism in the Renaissance. We actually have a, a, a Neoplatonism and, and classicism resurfacing uh, in the, yes. the Renaissance because of this paideia, these thinkers that were Christian, a direct result of it. Um, it's very amazing. It's it's an amazing thing that it's not a pagan thing, but because we even bothered to have such tremendous thinkers as this. So the icon of God, Father, was the Son. The Son was coming to be in the likeness of the Father. Likewise, we are the icon 
or that static figure until we come to full dynamism in the eternal sense. Um, and that's another yeah, thing altogether. That's beautiful. <laughs> so that's a no, classic that, That's a beautiful point, Kyle, because like when, when you say icon, there's these images in my mind that is conjured up of like a Russian Orthodox church mm-hmm. and Andrei Rublev's paintings and wood. And that what you're saying, it's a, it's a completely different animal. Right. Yeah. This is a, mm-hmm. we're, we're living icons. In in what sense are we living icons? Yeah. And so this is here's let me let me just turn to the idea of of uh, of what a classic view of icon means. If you turn to uh, to Plato's uh, Cratylus, I'm sure that everybody's got their Greek uh, just right in front of them. Joking. Um, we we <laughs> see the dialogues um, in Cratylus, which was considered to be the first etymological treatment ever done. Um, and, and in Plato's day, um, he used characters to, uh, to titrate, to pull out meaning. So he'd put a play together, a dialogue. And in the, this sense, Cratylus is, is, is talking to Socrates. Uh, Hermes is talking to Socrates. We got all these people talking to, 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 uh, uh, to Socrates here. But in this dialogue, um, the word icon in Cratylus meant that which is yielded to and not opposing. So he's saying there's a, there's a motion going on uh, that, uh, that is in movement or, should I say, poetry. And then one sees the icon, one yields, one stops to the thing. Now, <clears throat> we are not the icon. That's why they were distinguishing the icon of God versus the icon of us or something else. They were saying that true icon from, quote, pagan classicism would have had to have been Christ. We yield to that because it is coming to be. So in our poesis, in our flow, in our life, when we see that, that is the yielding point. So that this is an example of, of Christ used in, in pagan language. Um, but yet applied, he is the thing that we yield to, um, and it goes on. There's a lot of other words here that, uh, that in, in this dialogue uh, that explains a lot about pain and suffering. Um, there's one of the words I'll say real quickly before I before we move on. Uh, ananke. Um, it means you know that which is that's what that which traverses. Uh, outside of the poesis, even before you see the icon of something that we designate ourselves to, if you're in the flow of something and then you see something that is, that is a, quote, an objective icon, if you traverse and go against the flow um, mm. of, of where, where you're at, you're going to suffer greatly. So whether it's drugs, a good-looking woman, man, uh, or the Christ figure, you're going to go outside of against the flow of your poesis to get to that thing. Now, if Jesus is the is the true icon, he's worth the death to self. If he is not, you have died in vain. So <clears throat> again, th- these are these are terms that they use. These church fathers they use uh, in order to, for for the 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 Christian the young Christian community to understand. Um, the fullness of, of Christianity. And what's so interesting is that Arise and Clement, all these guys, uh, they, they were the ones um, that taught <clears throat> the firm foundation of, of, uh, of, of, a Greek, of Greek classicism, starting at Homer <clears throat> to, to uh, the fulfillment of, of, of John's apocalypse, that we, we needed this to be complete and that at the time of the, the, the final seal of John's apocalypse – 
the, the revelation, um, there is no more need for Greek thought to continue in terms of classicism. Where can it go? What was mm. said in the trivium was that the that Greek classicism, this is by the church fathers, um, had met their match, had met their end, their teleos, at uh, it, it, uh, it, uh, Christian education, or should I say revelation. Um, and when it's when that was set, there's no more need for it. It's a complete kuklos uh, encyclopedia compendium. And um, I think that's a, a very interesting point uh, to, to be to be made here. Th- this is encyclopedia. But if I if I can go back for one second, I, I don't want to like thread too quickly here. Um, but one of the things that I want to make reference to um, <clears throat> that we had we were discussing about the stars. Uh, and where this could all go, I believe that Homer, <clears throat> who obviously wrote the Iliad and the Odyssey, was reaching back a lot further uh, than just writing a good tale. And I think sure. that that uh, that Homer was a bard, or at least a bardic school that had reference uh, to something m- much greater than just uh, um, j- just a good story. I think he was doing a, an astrological treatise. That's what I personally believe. And I believe that his stories were referenced from the Baltics. And I think his stories were, were referenced from, from the Babylonian, uh, from, from Babylonian astrology. Um, but I, I want to take a piece for you real quickly here, just to show you something, uh, is an example of where that the story of the Christ to come and the stars, I do believe preceded Homer, but I believe that we can find Greek classicism to match that of, of the gospel, say Mark. Now, if you look at Homer's Iliad, excuse me, his Odyssey, chapter 10, verse 476 through 460, and you compare that to, say, Mark, chapter 14, verse 17 and 52, I'm going to read two things. I want you to see if you can find the All parallels. Right, awesome. Okay, so Circa provided Odysseus, that would be the Christ figure, and his crew a bountiful meal, including wine. After the meal, while his crew slept, Odysseus spent the night with Circa, uh, asking her to send him on his way. But he did not anticipate a journey to Hades. Odysseus learned he had to go to Hades. He wept and despaired of his life. Even so, Odysseus resigned himself to his fate. Odysseus came to his uh, sleeping crew and woke them. Quote, although you are sleeping, no longer take your feel of sweet sleep, but let us go. <clears throat> End quote. There was a certain Elpinor, and it goes on. Now, check this out. Mark 14. Jesus says, oh, this is what, excuse me, this is the account for Jesus. Jesus and his disciples celebrated the Passover, including wine. After the meal, while his disciples slept, Jesus spent an evening time in prayer asking for the cup to pass from him. That is his death. <clears throat> Jesus knew he had to die and was distressed unto death. Even so, Jesus resigned himself to his fate. Jesus came to his sleeping disciples and woke them. Are you still sleeping? Uh, taking your rest? Enough. Let us go. A certain a young man and goes and follows. And so this is a, a parallel text. And if you continue the text of Odysseus, you're going to find uh, some of the same parallels. Um, we've got others here, say uh, Odysseus, uh, uh, the Odyssey, uh, chapter 9, uh, verse 304, and also compared to Mark uh, chapter 16, so uh, the, the Odyssey, chapter 9, verse 304, for we should not have been able to, to thrust back uh, with our hands from the high door the mighty stone which he had set there. 
uh, the giant Polyphemus himself beguiled the, the door to his cave god. Uh, again, it, it goes on and on. So, and then it says right here, they had, they had been saying to one another, uh, who will roll away the stone from the door? And so we've got these these references here. Let me look at another one just real quickly here. Uh, Odyssey uh, chapter 18, uh, verses 118 through 22, and then Mark 15, verse 17. So here's here's the Odyssey. And Anton, and excuse me, Antinos uh, set before him a great paunch filled with fat and blood. And Anthonos uh, took up two loaves from the basket and set, set them before him and pledged him in a cup of gold and said, Hail, Father Stranger, may happy fortune be yours in time to come. So we go to Mark 15. And they, that is the soldiers, clothed him in a purple cloak. And after twisting some thorns into a, into a crown, they put, him, put it on him and they began saluting him. Hail, King of the Jews. They struck his head with a reed, spat upon him, and knelt down in homage to him. So I'm just saying there's some parallels here, even within the, uh, the Odyssey, that we find in Mark, and I have a, a, a lot more than just that, um, that uh, I find is, is a referencing uh, and a fulfillment. Now, again, what I'm trying to say is the, the classicism of Homer, I believe it reaches back further. But in the trivium, um, you know, one, one would learn the classics in order to be able to, uh, to have rhetoric in the end or rhetors, to have argument. But the, the kuklos or the cyclos or the encyclopedia of, of, of trivium language, of trivium education or paideia was that the, the Padawan, the Christian Padawan, could reach back into the, to Greek thought. They could use their skills in Greek and also in Latin. <clears throat> And they had the logic from Aristotle, deductive syllogisms, that they could apply to argue the case, the merit for Christ, or even go into to Greek or European society and argue the case for Christ within the form of a pagan society. So with that said, I'll, I'll digress for a second, so I'll let you have some time to ask no, me some that's questions. A, that's a lot of, that's a lot of uh, information to take in. I'm, I'm curious what you mean by... Uh, the parallels within uh, the the Odyssey and and Mark. Now I'm hearing, I see the you know the fat and the blood and and the the last uh, the uh, the crown of thorns, and I'm I'm seeing the similarities for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps you could expand a bit upon the parables, because I know that whereas I, I don't I don't put necessarily the miracles. I can I can hear the hostility of of <laughs> a bunch of people that are are not asking questions, um, saying mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I I I you know I, the Odyssey also has mermaids, and has <laughs> like so I'm sure that's mm-hmm. not what you mean in terms of parallel. But no. perhaps you could expand a bit a bit uh, what 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 the parallel is, how the parallel is made, where you're drawing these correlations. Is it are you saying the writing style or the understanding of the reasoning behind it? Yeah, well, what what I'm re- what I'm referring to is is actual blood sacrifice, uh, and I, I'm referring to uh, the god to be sacrificed here. We have, uh, you know, the whole point about about Homer was that it was it came down to the hero was to be sacrificed, was to be uh, to be struck, and if you get right down to it, you see the Padawan as being the ones that were struck down. Um, I think if you can look at it, it Greek classicism for a second, and you can bring it to say Achilles. What what you know we know Achilles by of course the the great hero but also Achilles what heel, you know his his heel was wounded. I'm just using another example in the stories, 
But sure. <clears throat> it was Achilles' heel. He was shot by who? Uh, uh, he was Par- shot Paris. By Paris, yes. Yeah, and and every and every everyone knew that Paris. Oh no, you did. I, every, I everyone knew <laughs> no. that Paris was uh, was an was an analogy or analog to Apollo. He he took on the form of Apollo. He was the the great shotsman, the great hunter, the one who could shoot. Um, and matter of fact, you find the idea of Apollo as Cupid, uh, the great, the far darter, the one who could shoot in lust, the one who followed his lust, uh, the Eros, the Eros, the one who exits the flow and goes to another thing, who, who again traverses ravines and brambles and thorns to get to the object right. um, <clears throat> of his desire. Uh, the Hebrew concept is called Kassil, which is the same thing, the far darter. It's a little bit uh, more uh, profane, uh, and that the shooting is not necessarily with quote arrows as we would say but it's with something else much just like it <laughs> and some you could say it's the same thing but um it was achilles that was wounded by the heel yet but <laughs> what happened you know achilles was the conqueror he was the victor we have the same thing the same the prophecy concerning right. uh the so christ the seal the, he brought Yep, he, he conquered the snake, but the, the snake bruised his heel. His heel was considered part of the foot. It was considered the Padawan or the, the Paide, the foot. And so it was the serpent that wounded the children, that wounded the, the Padawan, that wounded the basis uh, of the God. Now, but still the God conquered, still the God won. But we get into this word, say, kingdom of God. And again, going back to a, a classicist, you look at, say, the word, the phrase kingdom of God. What does it mean? Basilio Toteo. Basilio, basis, basis, is where you get the word pedo, pedo. It means literally the little footers of God, the way that we walk. And so you, so here again, classicism, etymology, you look at the word for who were the people that followed God's words in the first century? They were the disciples. Mm-hmm. Well, they weren't called disciples. They were called the Mathetikon. Who were the Mathetikon? The disciples, the followers, the little ones, the little footers. What does Mathetikon mean? The mathematicians of. So they were the ones that put line upon line, precept upon precept, and they followed every word of God one step at a time, walking as little children, one foot at a time as a toddler. So here's an example of, of classicism meeting the, the Hebrew phrases when, of course, the Hebrew phrases were already Hellenized. By the time that you come down to, to Jesus' day, everything was had been touched by Alexander. Uh, and including the, the European touch, or if you should, I should at least say the Persian touch um, to to the Jews that were held in captivity as they came back. They weren't quote just Jews; uh, they they were Pharisees. They were they were the Parsees. They were the, the almost really Taliban members. They were they hmm. were they were mullahs, uh, yeah. but uh, <clears throat> they they had been for sure Europeanized. Uh, the Persian eyes, they were no longer straight out Jew. They were not Jewish. Um, anyway, the lo- lo- long, long about it, back to the short, the, the Padawan were the little footers. Yep, that's right. They were the, the little footers, the little footers of God following uh, the math, the mathematics of, of Jesus' word. So if and you look at that, our word pediatrics and uh, yeah, you know, pedo, uh, paida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's that's I did not realize that Padawan and Paeta tie together like that. That's fascinating. Isn't that interesting? And of course, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, when you get into, uh, uh, you know, to, to to Star Wars a little bit, who is the the great grandmaster of of uh, the Padawan? Oh, Yoda was the great grandmaster of the Padawan. Yeah. And so, if you look at if you look at the word Yoda from the Sanskrit, the Indo-European, you get the word Yud, and that's where you get the word wisdom, the the wise one. So there's all of this that goes into it, and it's interesting. The word yogi, just to take this for an example, I'm just showing you again a, a good classical education in the Sanskrit here. India, it literally means to it's it's a it's a metathesis applied here <clears throat> in the Sanskrit. You flip it; it really comes from a, a genius. The word genius, ga na, and so we have the word genius within the word y- yoga. <clears throat> or yogi, <clears throat> which <clears throat> actually was what the yud would practice, the wise one would practice yo- yoga, not in the positional sense that we see today, and not in yoking with Brahma, whatever necessarily is how you would, we would understand Brahma, because Brahma means speech. Right. But sp- speech in terms of etymology, I have a Sanskrit... Uh, a dictionary from uh, uh, Oxford University has nothing to do with religion, has everything to, to do with just Proto-Indo-European languages, but this one happens to be that the Sanskrit volume, <clears throat> the word yoga means to be etymologically connected in every way. Hmm. That's what, yeah. So if you look at the phrase yoga, just know that its original meaning meant to be etymologically connected. And this is what we've been doing for this entire time, is to understand things from their linguistic standpoint as how things function and where they came from. Man, that's why I love this podcast. That's exactly what we do. Maybe we should have just called yeah. it Yoda's Yoda's Podcast or something. I don't know. <laughs> I well, you can, you know, I think it'd clever. be good. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's a, it's a really good one. I, I think we, should, we could do that. Absolutely. It, it's so appropriate but, for uh, Star Wars because I, we can release this. Well, this is, yeah, I'll, I'll, I won't include this part, but... You know, may the fourth be with you. We could literally <laughs> this, this Tuesday. So, awesome. Do it, man. I, I give that to you. That's your job. You guess Absolutely. what? You get paid the big, the big bucks yeah, on this month. Consider it done. Wow. Oh. So, so getting back to it, like that's that's pipe. So pipe. What does pipe mean? It's in its clearest sense. Pipe pi, pi day. Pipe pi, pi day. What is, sorry, I'm Foot. saying shrimp paella. <laughs> but no, what does pipe day mean? Right. In, what does pipe day mean in its sense? Like just from okay. The root, just to summarize for our listeners, because I know we got like maybe four or five minutes, but if you can just give us sure. a quick summary. Sure, sure. Well, put paideia comes from this basic form, foot, pa, da. You have a labial, pa, and a dental, da. It, it just simply trickles down to our our English, foot. And it, as, as we take an etymological root, you bring it down closer to our time, the consonants gets they get softer, so the harder pa da became the foot. It means the footer. It means the foot. <clears throat> so it's how you walk, and that's the sum of that. It's uh, it's really simple in its form, but the application, you know, is where it's used in terms of the little footer uh, amongst a great teacher. That's when it gets complex in the sense. Well, it fits. It fits in the sense of that you're following the yud or the wise one, but the wise one teaches, quote, you say, we say the force, but it's really the yoga and it has nothing to do with the position. It has everything to do with the etymological understanding of literally everything. <laughs> and awesome. so, yeah, 
And so that's the ultimate yoga. So who can obtain that? Who understands the word? Now, <laughs> here we go back to the Greek equivalent of the Sanskrit, the word. And guess who that would be? That's the Jesus. And go back to Plato again, classicism. Plato said, if there be a God, his name must be what? Logos. Because Logos, if you look at it from the, the sense of a scientific category, ology, sociology, biology, logos, ology, the thing that classifies, puts, judges, uh, separates, and puts on the table so we can th see things from a scientific standpoint, from a classified standpoint. And where did ology come from? Where did logos come from initially? We discussed that before. It initially came from a very old Proto-Indo-European word, probably 5000 BC, and it meant literally the log. It meant to collect, collect, log. It mm. meant to collocate. It meant to, to gather sticks and wood together, put the smaller ones over here, the, the middle size over here, and the bigger ones there so we can start a fire correctly. It meant to collocate. It meant to, to, to gather, to collect. And so that's the word for log. And, and probably, and, well, not probably, the word to light, uh, they, I, from all that I gather, uh, that comes from the same thing. It meant a log was used to light something from the verbal sense of that. So a very, very basic and primitive view of a log has to do with what you use it for. So you have your dynamic and your stat of sense in early Proto-Indo-European uh, uh, usage. Uh, I believe there was a split into the Shemitic mind and to the Indo-European mind. And guess what? At Babel do I find it. And so that split between the usage of dynamic and stative became very obvious, I believe, at Babel, where it wasn't so initially when the, mm -hmm. the languages when the languages were more simple and they were not separate from one another because they had to have aberrations from the, the normative of how that word was used from a stative point, now make it active. We look at the water, we look at the bird, we look at the rock. How do we, how do we, ex, uh, how do we express it from the more active sense in poetry or from, or from telling a story about it or from telling the, the story of the day's events? How do we activate a dead noun or a noun? So I yeah. think that that, that that dynamism was going on 5,000 B.C., 4,000 B.C. I think that the, the, I think the Tower of Babel was the reason uh, that we, we have such a confusion um, of that of that sense. So there you go. That's do you think it, that that would, it. Do, do, this is completely tangential, but do you think that, that would have anything to do with the, the pantheistic movement, I guess you would say, like in the ancient mm. times, the idea of oh. imbuing life imbuing these objects with life their words themselves with a life force it's uh, mm -hmm. maybe it's just because i'm thinking yoda and i'm thinking him like life creates it makes it grow between the land and the rock and the ship and right is right it, is right it, is maybe it is tied to the fact that <coughs> our, our words are becoming more active in that culture is that am i yeah, yeah. barking up a tree that is feasible or well, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'm going to I'll address it by the way that I, I would know or that I think I would know. <clears throat> when you read people, uh, read by people like, say, Dr. Maria Gimbutas, okay, she wrote a book on the goddess culture reaching back to 35,000 B.C., 25,000 B.C. I mean, people from the Vinca culture, Lithuanian, you got it. Uh, these are these are uh, and these are agrarian people. People like in Lascaux Caves in France. How, how old was that again? Some thirty thousand years old. Oh my I mean, gosh! It's like some of the well, oldest well, stuff we have. Yeah, and we have the high level paintings 
in the caves there. So these were not primitive troglodyte people like we think. Um, but here's my deal. They were not warring people, and therefore they were not noted as really anything and that's why you don't hear about them. Kings who conquer other lands, you hear about, that's history. When you get into men who conquered men and claimed their women and their lands. So that's, that's another type of history, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we're uncovering all these, quote, goddess figurines, these icons, and we're seeing that we had an Eve culture, an age of innocence culture prior to the stage and setting of Aden, where there were two key uh, characters in the play, um, Adam and Eve. <clears throat> so going back to this whole idea of the age of innocence prior to the theophany or the showing of the God, I think that people were, were fit in a very simple agrarian culture that, that, na- that simply worked with the land and that they did what they did. They were very, very simple, I guess, not simple in the sense of stupid, but they simply just they worked with the land. They were a, a nature culture. Uh, sure. I consider that the age of innocence. And I think that they were simply naming things as they saw them. If you look to like early, early Sumerian uh, uh, poetry, you're looking to a very, almost, you would say it's boring. It's like they talk about rocks and water and gisgib or the bird, the moosh, the the snake before it was a scary thing. And then you got you Homer, get into, which is like literally all about war. And that's the yeah. thing we have that we remember. That's so weird. Uh-huh. Isn't that something? So yeah. I guess to answer your question, um, however you can titrate that that out, you know, of what I'm saying, I think we have an age of innocence, and I think that, that at some point during this uh, account of Eden is when we get into uh, the age of violence. Um, we get into the age of, of the Kenites or the Kanites who went east of Eden into the land of Nocti, and he became a forger of metal. Um, so, you know, then we get into the, to the Aryan culture. We get into the, the Kanite clans. I do believe there is a relation between Cain and uh, the Genghis Khan, uh, though that, that was way later. Oh, I wow. still I'd believe the Kanite. this that next week. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Because Nocti because is from that, that northern Afghani steppe region. you got to join the forces. Nocti was actually to east of, of Eden, which would have been getting would have been pushing to the to the Mongolian region, but it's in between that. It's, uh, it's right uh, right past, uh, um, excuse me, it's above the Zagros Mountains, but, but east of Eden, which would have been, uh, which itself would have been east of, of Lake Van, etc. So you're getting into, you know, to a, 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 an eastern Kurdish culture uh but pushed into the to the Mon- the mongolian culture it's such a beautiful study and then you get into the steppe region oh and it's gosh. right there with where all of these conites they lived and i do believe that was probably the sons and daughters of, of cain himself but by name it meant forger of metals and guess what it was so interesting the the uh the city capital uh, uh east of eden and the land of nocti uh was called bad tabira um, and that is the house of the metal worker. And so that, that is as old as, as old gets. And guess what? Cain was a forger of metals. So, um, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll go further into that Man. later on. Well, Kyle, that is, that's awesome. I think it's so perfect that we were talking about this and in, in light of the fact that this week is star Wars week. So 
Uh, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, if you like our podcast, you can follow us on Spotify. That helps us out. Also, feel free to give us a, a comment on our website. And uh, we uh, we love hearing it and reading it. Um, I'm thinking maybe next week, Kyle, we, we could read a couple of these comments if we check in with the people sure. that leave them because they're they're oh, just yeah. so encouraging. You guys are you guys are really encouraging us every time you shoot us a. A little, you know, little two sentence or three sentence review that really Please helps. Please do, and it'll, it'll it, it would help me out. So, all right, friends. Anytime, anytime. All right, yeah. Thank anytime. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anytime anybody can can make a statement, uh, you know, about our, our site, you know, just a question. It gives it gives me the fire to uh, to study further and to focus uh, as to what we have said, what I have said. Um, and where I'm going, sometimes, you know, you get caught up in a, in some theme and you don't, you don't realize you're not feeding this group of people or you're feeding these people. Right. You don't know. So I'm, I'm always wanting to know where's my, my barometric, where's my barometer here? Where, where am I? So, right. uh, I definitely, I need that. So, uh, anytime, you know, any comments are, are welcome. Um, so thank you, Josh, for bringing that up. Oh, it's my pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, hopefully your drive has gone well. Thank you for taking your time to uh, tune us in of the hundreds of fantastic podcasts that are out there. And we'll talk to you same time next week, Tuesdays at 5 a.m. Have a blessed day. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that.